0: Hey there, you're listening to Past to Present, a social studies podcast by educators for you. We'll take a look at the middle school social studies standards taught in the state of Texas. Together, let's clarify some key concepts in history and think of ways to help students relate history to their everyday life. Summertime.
1: I don't know what, three weeks in?
0: Has it already been three weeks?
1: I don't know. It seems like it. I don't like to count summer days.
0: (laughs) Until the end of July, I'm not counting.
1: Yeah, it's been good. Uh, What have you been up to?
0: Well, I went on the close up trip. Yeah. That was fun. Got to go see um, parts of D.C., and we got to go to Montpelier this year. I know. I've
1: been trying to get you to go to Montpelier.
0: I was very excited about it.
1: It's awesome, right? It
0: was so great. Loved it.
1: Better than Monticello? Never. Uh, I don't know. Good
0: try. (laughs) I <laughs> actually tweeted Montpelier, and they tweeted me back. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. I was excited.
1: Yeah, they do a good job with their, um, from what I understand, I went years ago when they were restoring the place, but uh, apparently they're really big on their, uh, they brought in a lot of the slave stuff.
0: Yes. there's. I mean, the whole museum is basically about slavery.
1: It's comprehensive.
0: The house is about him. Uh-huh. And the tour is really well done, and the it's restored really well. Right. Um, but then the underground part, like the basement is all slavery and it's really cool.
1: Yeah, they've embraced the 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 idea that he was a slaveholder and not him not I don't know that it embarrasses the word, but they've I mean it is what it is. And so I think they're telling trying to tell a better story and they've even brought in a lot of the uh, I think the family members of slaves in the area mm-hmm. to, to collaborate with him mm-hmm. on that. So That's it's cool. kinda
0: cool. Yeah. Well they were talking about one of the one of the slaves on his plantation, and I can't remember his name. I should. Um, that was sold to um, Calhoun. No, no, not not Calhoun. Webster. Oh. That was sold to Webster, and then basically he had to earn his way to freedom because Webster was broke. So he bought this bought this slave from Montpelier after James Madison died. Then freedom. His great 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 whatever great it is granddaughter is on the board oh from nice. Montpelier so that was pretty cool and um, they're restoring like the slave cabins and everything it was it was a really really cool experience and just I love I've been to Mount Vernon and Montpelier and Monticello and I just love the Appalachian Mountains like just being there in the views and how peaceful and serene it was and it is um, that's my favorite part
1: yeah Charlottesville is pretty cool place I mean yeah. you've got Monticello you've got UVA you've got Montpelier, um, then uh, Monroe's home's not too far down the road. It's
0: actually, so they were telling me that Monroe's house that they've been, like, that they had as the museum was the guest house. Oh. They've recently discovered that it was actually the guest house. So they've been giving tours. Of the guest of house. Of the guest house, as though it was Monroe. And they're just like, yeah, Monroe was a simple guy, and this is his his house. And come to find out, they found, like, architectural plans that show that it's, like, the guest house. That's funny. And one of the guys that has been there many times like, I want my money back <laughs> from all the times I went and saw Monroe's guest house.
1: So um, our, our thing this summer is to kind of do a, a couple sessions on just – strategies
0: yeah kind of like a mini series
1: lesson planning not really focused mini-series. too much on content but how to teach this stuff and uh, some ideas and help teachers kind of as they're getting ready to uh, plan have something to reference back to yeah and so today uh, I know something that you're extremely passionate about you have kind of uh, pulled me into and sucked me into is you're welcome yeah thank you uh, is 5e 5e And so... So
0: this, if we're doing a summer mini-series, this episode is not going to be a mini-episode. I mean, we don't have to go on forever, but your face right now. (laughs) But 5e's is not something that I can talk about in concise, in like five minutes, you know?
1: I've never seen anything you can talk about in concise. Okay. Uh,
0: (laughs) What a great way to start. So So, 5e.
1: So explain, so kind of give everybody kind of just a, a, um, how you came to 5e and... What um, inspired you?
0: Okay, so if you know nothing about 5E, it's a model, a pedagogy model. Um, and it started out in science, right. really big in science. In fact, in KDISD, it is our science philosophy, I guess you would say.
1: Well, it's their lesson planning model. Yeah, it's,
0: right? it's their education model. Yeah. Um, and so at my campus... It was revolutionizing our test scores in science. I mean, we are—I'm at a 68% free and reduced lunch campus, and um, well, let me rephrase: 68% low socioeconomic. I don't know if it's all—that's many of them are on free and reduced lunch. But um, anyway, for us to have 90%, 95% kid of our kids passing the science social or the science star was a really big number. So my principal came to me. And was basically like, hey, science has been really successful in um, implementing 5Es. Um, Now I want social studies to do it. And I had zero experience in 5Es. I had no clue what I was doing. Uh, But basically, he came to me, I guess it was like September In the year? was like in September. Not this year, but four four years ago in like September and was like, hey, we need to go to full 5e. And the look on my face was like, what? I don't know anything about that. So I started. So
1: he knew you were a sucker and he could get you to do it?
0: Yeah, I was voluntold (laughs) to do 5e's. Um, And instead of resisting and throwing a hissy fit, I decided to embrace it. And I started researching and training and observing and... Um, doing a lot of that type of stuff, and I basically just fell in love with it.
1: So you're grateful that it took place?
0: Absolutely, Um, I'm grateful that he pushed me and motivated me to um, take on the challenge of 5Es, and it has totally changed my classroom, and I will never go back to regular instruction.
1: So the first part of five E's is the engage portion. So let's let's just talk about each. Let's, let's give them a kind of overview. Five E means starts out with the engage portion, goes to explore,
0: mm-hmm.
1: explain, mm-hmm. elaborate, and evaluate.
0: Correct. Those are the five E's.
1: Those are the five E's. Okay. And by the way, I may accidentally call this fundamental five at some point just because... You're getting old. I'm old and I'm okay. delusional.
0: Well, so it's... The basic question for five E is... How do people learn when a bunch um, the scientists who were looking into this model or were looking into this? That was their research question that they were starting out with this. How do humans, how do people learn? And so they started doing a lot of research on that. And we're not going to get this is not a research podcast, but this is all based in research. Um, and they started looking into Piaget and his research. And then um There was Carplus from Berkeley. He did a lot of research into 5Es as well. Um, Another is Kimberly Tanner. And then the BSCS, which is the Biological Science Curriculum Study, is what kind of first came out with this 5E model. Um, And it's basically based on the idea of three things. People learn in three stages. They experience life or experience a phenomenon. And then they are introduced to a concept or an idea. And then from there, they take that concept and they apply it to a new experience. So that's kind of the cycle. And then you go back, okay? So now you experience something new, you have the concept, and then you apply it. That's kind of backwards from the way that education is set up today. Right. If you think about it. Because what we do is... We introduce a concept, and we have kids apply it. Right. Then we introduce a concept, then we have kids apply it.
1: So very much in the, the Bloom's taxonomy traditional sense of we got to have the knowledge to apply it, instead of the experience to apply it.
0: Well, more of experience builds knowledge, right? So it's almost it's basically is taking the um, Bloom's taxonomy and flipping it upside down right. because in Bloom's taxonomy, knowledge is the baseline, and you use knowledge to then synthesize. This is basically saying. You synthesize, you analyze, you evaluate, you do all of that to get to knowledge. So knowledge is the highest level.
1: Right. So let's start with engage. And so the idea of engage is really to build that background experience and that background knowledge, right? And to engage the kids, get them, get, capture their, their attention, right? Right. And so you and I have uh, kind of synthesized this with like experiences. Mm-hmm. I love experiential activities um, and So this could be anything from the Articles of Confederation block activity that we do. Mm -hmm. You know, why did that fail? And then so you can relate to that later Mm -hmm. on, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We have the Civil War activity on the advantages and disadvantages. In sixth grade, we have a lot of things like the uh, zombie or survivor activity where the kids are experiencing the weaknesses of different government types. Okay. Okay. but it's even so much as if you're doing a social contract. If you're doing, is it champs? It mostly does the creating of a
0: yeah, I think so. Contract
1: in classroom mm-hmm. and and the kids
0: basically they create their own class rules and their own constitution and there's like a process for it. Right. And so it's a classroom management strategy, but also you can relate that to social contract at the beginning of the year for eighth grade, um, and it's an experiential activity that they can then draw on. The whole idea of engage is to. That a lot of times kids come to you and they don't have experience in mm-hmm. this stuff. Let's be real. The only experience they have is Snapchat and video games. Snapchat for girls and boys and video games. I mean, that's just reality or comic books or movies or sports. They yeah. don't have experience in social studies, in government. Um, and so we have to build that for them.
1: Well, and even then, they don't always have experience. They, they don't understand that what some of the things they do have going on in their life does have some social studies crossover. Right. So let's say um, they're choosing where to go to where to go with their friends.
0: Mhm.
1: You know, they they've all had the experience where one person kind of bullies everybody into going to that mm-hmm. one place and nobody has fun or that one person who doesn't want to go and they're they're complaining the entire time, right? Something like that, like yeah, choosing where to go to dinner with their family. Mm-hmm. Um, they have those experiences, they just don't always see that it actually applies to bigger picture things,
0: right? And the problem with well, the argument with five E is if they don't have an experience, they have nothing to attach a concept to. So they have no way of understanding a concept at an in-depth level if they don't have an experience to apply that concept to. And a lot of times we skip. I can't even tell you how many times I had teachers that were like, here's the vocabulary. Copy that down. Yeah. Here's Guilty. the information. Do that. Read this. And then, then we get to the test and they're like, I don't understand why they don't understand. Well, they don't understand because they have no Experience to apply it to.
1: Well, it's the emotion, right? It, it's not necessarily the experience works, but the emotional tie to those things. And the
0: personal attachment. Right. Yeah.
1: But it, it, it leads to some kind of emotional um, response. response to it. And, mm-hmm. I, and I don't have any signs behind that, but I've always found, and you know, you've heard me say it over and over again if they're mad, it's a good day. Right. Because they're mad about the content, they're mad about what happened in the experience, they get. the the idea and it sticks with them.
0: It's true. And in one of the articles, specifically by Kimberly Tanner about 5Es, they talk about order matters. Mm -hmm. You can be... Some teachers, I know great teachers out there who are doing 5Es. It's just they do it in the wrong order. They do the explain part first and then they want to give them, the kids, the experience. And order matters when the brain is absorbing information. You don't just talk to a kid about how to ride a bike and then take the training wheels off and put them on the bike and say, okay, you should be able to do it now. And then when they can't ride the bike, all of a sudden you're like, well, I don't understand. I showed them this diagram. They wrote down the key points of riding a bike. Why don't they get it? Because they have no experience. They have no, um, you didn't give them a a tangible, like physical connection to it.
1: Well, and with the brain science, I think, on this comes the concrete example. Right. We're somewhat turning an abstract idea into a concrete uh, example for them to recognize. Right. Um, And they may may not recognize it at the time, but later on when they reference back to it, now you have that.
0: Exactly. And the thing about it is most kids will experience it at some point, Mm -hmm. right? Like most kids experience government at some point. It's just not in eighth grade. Right. And so we're teaching them all these great government concepts. And I can't even tell you how much, like after college, I was like, oh, that makes sense now because I've experienced it right. or I've seen it firsthand. And in eighth grade, I wasn't given an experience to attach that to. So I really struggled to understand it.
1: So th- we, we kind of talked about those experiential activities, but it can also be things, like I said earlier, where you bring, it's kind of more of a traditional hook where you're saying, um, so if we're talking about Colonization. Hey, why did you move to Katy or why did you move to Texas or why did you move to the places you've moved? And kids will write down all the reasons. and They'll say, hey, we weren't safe in this area or my dad got a job here or my mom got a job here.
0: Or better schools. Or better
1: school or closer to, uh, maybe it's closer to the church they want to go or to. Or family. Family. And so that is giving them the experience. You're just tying it now. Again, you're making it concrete to right. what you're about to teach. So it doesn't have to be as extravagant as these these.
0: Simulations. Simulations that um, yeah.
1: I'm all in It can on.
0: be like a discussion. It right. can be a critical thinking question. It can be a five-minute five, five minute reflection. And a lot of those type things, you're just going to – the kids already have background knowledge, and you're just drawing that out. And that's okay. But when you realize, oh, they don't have background knowledge, that's when you have to step in and say, okay, i got to build it now.
1: Well, and so when we presented this, we did it on the reform movement. Mm-hmm. And this was kind of a lesson that you had created, but we had the pictures of the – Two types of uh, unrest during the civil rights movement, and it was the uh, more organized Washington march on Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. with Dr. King and the followers, and then there was more of what appeared to be um, like civil a riot. unrest, like civil a unrest riot. in the street, or something it looked yeah. like a riot of some sort. Um, and they just people just wrote down what they saw, and then we even when we uh, when we talked to those those students at Stephen F. Austin, it was we added on like more contemporary pictures because mm-hmm. of the the group that we were working with. Right.
0: I liked that after, after all. And the Black was, Lives Matter. We added in two different pictures of Black Lives Matter. One was more of like a riot type look and the other was more of a campaign type. It was more of a... Artistic.
1: It was a demonstrative picture. It was a demonstration. It was more like people laying down and yeah. looking like they're dead and... Um, Just pretty powerful stuff, and that worked well with the 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 people we were working with at the time. Um, But anyway, it just kind of gives them.
0: So you could do a a lot of things with this, right? I mean, with the engage, and it doesn't have to be extravagant games Mm -hmm. or extravagant simulations. You've really got to pick and choose what you're doing and be purposeful. And that's why when you start your five E unit, you really need to start with the question of what do I want kids to learn and what do they already know. Can I anticipate what they may or may not already know? Right. Um, and if they, if you realize, hey, they don't know it, I've got to build it for them. Right.
1: So um, you want to move on to the next step?
0: Sure. So that was engaged. And, and that can be anything from five minutes to a full day. Right. It just depends on what you're doing. And by the way, 5E is not a lesson plan template.
1: It's not a single day lesson. Plan. It's
0: not a lesson plan template it's not and I know that you're giving me the eyes because some people will veer away from it because of that but it's not a lesson plan template it's a pedagogy it's a mindset and so I've seen teachers try to fit this into a lesson plan template and it doesn't work now can you use it to guide your unit sure like for example I will maybe have a day where I do an engage activity I could still do a hook a mini lesson and a closure all within one day, but that's just the engaged portion of the 5E model.
1: So it's more of a way to, to organize your lessons.
0: It's it's a way to organize your unit.
1: Yeah, your to or- unit. To build
0: schema for kids.
1: Yes, and within your unit you have lessons that go within that.
0: Correct. Right. So don't just try to take this and put it into your lesson planning template. Really focus on what we're talking about, like the order of the way that you're gonna roll your unit out and really be cognizant of that.
1: And what the purpose of each of these steps are. Right. So, on to explore. Explore. And so the this idea is the w- one
0: teachers struggle with, I think.
1: Well, because it, 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 because explore and engage can be somewhat interchangeable.
0: And explore is messy a little bit, too. Correct. Because you got to let go of the reins.
1: So, an explore is kind of bringing, uh, it can be examples of having stu- students grapple with the information, kind of uh, they're doing the work, but they're, they're going to make mistakes here. Right. And we know, by the way, that if students make mistakes within like brain science and we correct those mistakes, they're more likely to retain it, retain the information. And so, um, so for example, when we've, we've done the reform lesson, we have a, a chart with a list of quotes that went with the types of movements, whether it's temperance, Mm -hmm. education, whatnot. And the quotes can be the student response that what do they think this means or how does this impact their life? And then ranking them in some order or fashion, right? right? But they've not even, they don't know what the temperance movement is. Right. They don't know what the education reform, they don't know who Horace Mann is. And the
0: only way that they know what it is in this activity is that it's at the bottom of the quote. Oh, the so quote's very clear. The quote is very clear. So, for example, I pick one from Horace Mann and it's basically like, education is for all people. Right. And it's a primary source. So, I for my um, academic kids, I scaffold it to where they have a summary with it mm-hmm. to help them out. Um <laughs> So they read the quote and then they respond to it as if they're talking to Horace Mann or if they're talking to Dorothea Dix about prison reform or if they're talking to Susan B. Anthony about women's rights. And then I have them rank it as to – and everybody does ranking a little bit differently. I know you like to do it maybe a different way. But But I try to get my kids to have a personal connection at some point in the engage or the explore with the content. So what I had my kids do is I had them rank each quote on a w- scale of 1 to 10, or 1 to 5, whatever you want. 10 being this impacts my life every single day, and 1 being this never impacts my life. Right. I don't even think about it once.
1: But again, all of this is without any...
0: Background knowledge. That,
1: well, any knowledge that you've given them. Correct. Anything if, if, if they're using anything, it is just their background
0: knowledge. Right.
1: And so... Um, this is kind of the lab part this is and this could be where you bring in a little bit of what you did with the engage so it could be if you did a social contract you could have them comparing that to the Constitution or parts of the Constitution mm-hmm. or the Mayflower compact or whatever and go do you notice any similarities do you notice any right. differences do you wish you would have added things do you think they should have you know that mm-hmm. kind of stuff so again it's just it's a little it's kind of I hate the term organic but they're just coming up with these ideas on their own.
0: Yeah, they're trying to figure it out.
1: And it's it's hard, right?
0: It can be. Like, the reform thing's not hard. Right. Because they're just responding to a quote, and they're just thinking about what they're, they're exploring their own opinions on that, and I'm capturing their interest. Right. Um, whereas when you compare a social contract to the Mayflower Compact or to the parts of the Constitution, that's a lot more challenging for kids i've also done things where they sequence like i give them all the events leading up to the road to revolution with a little bit of information about each one and they got to sequence it Mm -hmm. um you can have a check for that like you can give them an article or use the textbook or whatever to let them go in and check what they've got we do one with the pilgrims where it's all pictures okay and the kids have to put the pilgrim story together using pictures and there's clues in each picture that help them do it. Right. But you pique their interest because they're trying to put the story together and then now it's a game and they get to see whether they got it right or not. Right. Um, there's a million things you can do with this. A lot of explorers that I do, especially further on in the year, are historical inquiries. A historical inquiry is an explorer because right. they are trying to figure out a key question or a key concept. And as they're doing that, they're also on a side piece of paper or on a class piece of paper or whatever. They're generating questions that they have or thoughts that they have or um, key terms that they think that they need to remember for the test. So this is also a time for them to kind of narrow in on what they're learning and start tracking that.
1: So does this give you a chance to like would a KWL chart be a good thing to use in here?
0: Yeah, you can. And sure.
1: have them write a bunch of questions and, and use that to guide your instruction later on yeah. or, or things like that. And we've
0: done that before where, like, at, at the end of the engage, so if we're doing the reformers, at the end of the engage, I can say, okay, what do you know about reform now? And they can at least write the definition. And then d- through the explore, they expand on that know even more. And now they add, what do they want to know? And we compile a list. And when we get to the next phase, we can make sure we address those questions.
1: So more than likely, and it's not 100%, but more than likely in these these two steps, you've not done any direct teach.
0: Zero direct teach. Depending. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I like to do flipped classroom to hedge off my explain. Because when I'm telling you that kids don't have background knowledge, I mean zero background knowledge. So sometimes um, I'll do a flipped lesson where the night after the Explore just depends on what I need, or the night before the Explore, the kids are doing it. A lot of times I'll have SPED kids do that flip lesson early so that they do have a little bit more background knowledge than the academic or the pre-AP kids, and it kind of evens the playing field. Okay. And so when the kids get to class, they've watched my video. The SPED kids have. They've watched my video ahead of time, so now they feel like they can contribute. So right. they kind of have a leg up. It just depends on how you want to run your classroom. But you can give background information, just make sure that it doesn't soil the activity you're going to do.
1: Okay. So, um
0: cuz they're supposed to struggle with it. That's the whole point.
1: Right. And we understand that struggle again, struggle activates parts of the brain and Right.
0: And, trying and, to figure it out. It can even be something as simple as look at these like look at these five articles over five different reforms that occurred in 1800 1800- Why did they occur? What was happening? Just them trying to figure out the answer to that question.
1: So I see this as being the easiest place to employ primary sources Mm -hmm. and charts and graphs and getting the kids to try to figure out what's going on here. Draw conclusions. For sure. Okay. Anything else or you want to move on to uh, explain? I like it. All right. Explain. So explain. And this is where for – so – Lindsay and I have talked about this over and over again. We're going to kind of talk about the perfect world and the... Real world. The real world. And, and this
0: is going to be based on your level of comfort as a teacher. Right. And your level of skill as a teacher.
1: And, and how much support you have. and Yeah. Um, this is tough.
0: What your kids need, what your goals are.
1: Because it's... Well, you even saw when... Well, we'll come back to that. But you saw that it took you a while to get comfortable with 5E. Yes. And it's taken me a while to kind of wrap my head around it, talking with you numerous times. And even... Um, so teaching this to people just
0: to interject when I started 5e I picked like four units four topics throughout the year to do so I left everything else pretty much the same and then I did those four units now I'm, last year my instruction was 80 percent 5e's 80 percent of my units were 5e I only have two units that I have not 5e'd and I'm about to do it this year So, it's taken me four years to transition all of my content. And every year, every 5E unit changes a little bit and gets a little bit stronger, I think.
1: So, explain. And this is where you're expanding on what the kids know, if they have any background knowledge. And you're clarifying misconceptions, and you are giving content. Mm -hmm. Content is being acquired at this point, right?
0: Correct. If it Um, hasn't already been acquired.
1: Well, you're kind of making sure that you're, so with the Explorer, you know there's going to be misconceptions made by the kids, which is fine. We're going to clarify those and fix those with kids.
0: Right. Well, if you're looking back at the model of, that this is based on, the model of learning, which is Piaget's original model, you have exploration, concept introduction, and then application. That's how humans learn. So exploration is the engage and the explore. Concept introduction is now the explain. Mm-hmm. And I'm always weary to say explain to social studies teachers because we're doing a 5E training and all of a sudden I'm like, okay, the third E is explain. And this is where all the social studies teachers are like, yes, this is the one I know. I know mm-hmm. how to explain.
1: Well, this is where they, they, they think lecture or storytelling or it's the one they are the most they think they're the most comfortable with. It is and the and one I get they're that. most comfortable
0: with because right. it's the one that's most closely related to direct instruction or can be. Correct. In, like I said, we're about to go into this, but we'll tell you the perfect world and then sometimes the real world.
1: So, what is the explain like? So, let's talk about. We, we keep referencing back to our the reform movement. So, what is the explain in the reform movement?
0: So, for this particular lesson, it's the real world. Okay. So, mm-hmm. the explain in the reform movement is. Um, reading passages that I have from History Alive, the TCI content, and I have five reading passages. They're highly engaging. They're they're story-like. Right. And the kids go around to each station. They read the reading passage and they create a frayer model.
1: Over that. Over that. And each of those readings is a different reform movement.
0: For pre-AP, I do a little bit differently. I jigsaw them. So if you felt you most closely related to prison reform, you go to the prison reform table. Temperance, etc. So the kids get divided up. They read through their article, do some type of reading strategy. I still like the Freyer model with that. Then they come back to their original groups and they teach each other about the key points of their reform. Okay. That one's a little more perfect world. Not 100%. Because in a 100% explain perfect world, the kids are explaining to you what they have learned. Right. Or what they know and you are simply there to guide and to clarify misconceptions
1: and intervention
0: and to intervene when they're too low and they miss the boat or to push the kids who already mastered it and, and to extend their thinking, to ask those higher order thinking questions. Um, and sometimes you can build that information through homework. You don't have to do it in class. Um, or you can have a day in class where they expl- they are exploring the actual content and then they explain the next day. But a lot of teachers take this and go to direct instruction, which is not necessarily a bad thing.
1: I would think – well, it, it it's where you're doing the most work and you're trying to figure out how to – this is going to be the part that I think teachers are going to struggle with the most is getting the kids to be more student-centered on this part.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's the hard part.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so – and the, you know, the things we talked about, you know, and we just got done with our uh, KDISD summer conference, and uh, I think you and I both went to a lot of uh, sessions with... Um,
0: Laton Ambry Yeah. From Region 4.
1: Who's really, really good at her Super job. Super
0: great. She's the reason that I'm the teacher I am. She doesn't know that, but <laughs> I go to a, a training with her every year, and I'm like, I totally fangirl it out and yeah. just steal everything.
1: Well, and she talked about with you know if you're we kind of brought up intervention here, and this is where you're you're prepared for the misconceptions, right? You know, hey, I need to check for if if this is the one question I know that most kids are going to struggle with, I need to be going around and checking very and I think it's aggressive monitoring, yeah, and and going around and making sure that those kids, you know, where are the kids at?
0: Yeah, and you need to know with explain if you're doing it the perfect world way, you need to know exactly what you're looking for. That's mm-hmm. basically the idea of aggressive monitoring, right? Right. Is you know exactly what you're looking for and you check on every single kid in that room as you're walking around. But if you're the one doing the direct instruction, that's a little difficult to do.
1: It's really impossible to do. Yeah. And and I love the lecture.
0: I know. It's well, the best.
1: But storytelling does have some value. We know that there's, yeah. science, you know, there's brain science to it, but we also know that there's a lot of limitations with it as well.
0: And also... Let the kids be the storytellers. Figure out a way to flip it to where you are just monitoring and the kids are the storytellers. And not every story has to be told, unfortunately. You know, I love... I have so many historical anecdotes, and I could talk about TJ all day long. But the kids don't Like, there's five kids in there that just sit there and look at me, and they're like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. And the rest are asleep. (laughs) They don't care about Thomas Jefferson, unfortunately. And so... Unless they're they're the storytellers and they've got something invested in it, it's a waste of time.
1: Um, So this is where there's all kinds of ideas you can use. Just try to make it a student center. Make sure you're looking at misconceptions that are going to take place and clarify those and um, find ways to have the kids show you what they know.
0: Right. This can be reading. This can be writing. This can be um, group work. This can be Nearpod. This can be um, historical inquiry. It just depends on how you're using it.
1: And just make sure you get the feedback from the kids. Yes. So that you have an idea of what they know and don't know. Um, Because I know early on when I was teaching, well, I covered it. Mm -hmm. They should know it, Mm -hmm. but I didn't have any... idea if they knew it or not until they took the test.
0: And this too is where you're going to connect back to that engage in the explore. You've got to bring that back in. Mm -hmm. So if, if I did the block simulation, which we do have a podcast over that, it's the articles of confederation podcast. But if I did the blocks, the articles of block simulation, and then I move on to explain, and I don't ever have the kids make that connection, Back to the blocks then that was a waste of time right the whole point in building the experience is so that when we're explaining this information i can say okay so how did this relate to the blocks game we played correct and the kids can then draw that aha moment where they're like oh i have already experienced the articles what did that feel like what happened how would the colonists maybe have felt well excuse me americans at that time how would they have felt were they nervous? Were they uncomfortable? Were they frustrated? So it draws on that emotion again. And now they have something to relate it to.
1: Okay. Ready to move on to the next one? Sure. So we're now on to the elaborate fa- uh, phase, or elaborate. And this is where we want the kids to apply their learning mm-hmm. to build either some relevancy to themselves, maybe some modern day relevancy. Uh, a lot of this sometimes is product or performance task yeah, based yeah it's like
0: practicing the skill
1: so let's reference back to reform okay and this is where you brought in whoop
0: whoop w- wish obstacle no no let me rephrase
1: sorry I put you on the You're spot fine. there
0: I should have been prepared so whoop is something I stole off the internet it's called whoopmylife.org yep. w-o-o-p wish outcome obstacles plan I think <laughs> the okay. idea
1: basically is the kids
0: create a it's a goal setting template where you write down your wish or your goal you write down your outcome what's the perfect world scenario then you write down 10 obstacles whatever how many obstacles you're going to overcome and then you say if this obstacle occurs then I will whatever and the first time I roll this out with my kids I do it during advisory and we just talk about their six weeks grade. like what's their six weeks goal So they might say, my wish is to get an A in classes. In the perfect world, I will get all A's in classes and I will increase my learning. Obstacles, I got you know, video games sitting at home staring at me. Um, I've got a little brother that nags at me, whatever. And so then they plan it out. So what I thought would be fun is we learn the reform movements. We learn all the content, blah, blah, blah. I kind of give them a quiz over it. So I'm evaluating throughout, which we'll talk about in just a second. Then we get to elaborate. And in the past, what I had them do is before and after scenes. What was life like before the reform? What was Mm -hmm. life like after? Which is cool. But this is better. So they whoop it. So now they create their own reform goal. Their own reform plan using a whoop template.
1: Something they want to change about
0: today. Something that is going on in the school, in their life, in their community, in their state, in their world. Whatever that they want to change. I can't even tell you how many kids this year picked climate change. Hmm. I got a bunch of democrats in my class apparently. So, that's good. I guess. They care about the climate. Or it was the easiest one. <laughs>
1: well, we might cut this out of the, <laughs> the podcast.
0: Why? It's fine. But that's what they picked. I don't no. care. I mean, it doesn't bother me. They it was something that they saw was a problem. They decided they wanted to start a reform movement on it, and they came up with their obstacles and their plans. One of the kids' obstacles was humans rely on plastic. Like, right. we care about convenience. What's the What are we going to do about that? And I don't know, you know, necessarily if their answers are going to solve all the world's problems, but it was a cool thing for them to really think about. And when you think about reform movements, what the heck is the point in teaching all this stuff if they're not going to actually do something
1: right. with it? Well, and I think that's the thing is getting them to take action on something or to see that um, this does relate to today. Yeah. And so... Uh,
0: and you'll have some not so, you know, well, you'll have some not so engaged ones where they're like, I want to get rid of homework. Homework's really terrible in my life. And they'll whoop out how their reform movement. But it's crazy because they'll come up with civil disobedience actions of what they're going to do. They're going to get all their friends together. They're going to boycott homework. What are their obstacles with that? They're going to have grade issues and stuff.
1: Well, and you guide them them to some of the research that shows that homework doesn't have the power that some people think it does. And you let them kind of make those arguments. I'm
0: not going to guide them to that research. (laughs) You just said that out loud. We're cutting this out. No,
1: but I think you give them the chance to
0: I would guide them to both points of view of the research and then say, now you pick the research that's going to support your claim. Look, that's the reality about research it's only as valuable as you
1: the person who uses it
0: exactly so it was just really cool to see that and it it's taking that skill that they have of reform and helping them to apply it to a new situation and that's what most people miss with elaborate they have them resequence the information or they have them create a product for a grade and all that's invaluable don't get me wrong if the kids need that But there's a lot of kids out there who can now take it to the next level.
1: So this could be as easy as having them analyze court cases and tie it to the amendments Mm -hmm. or the Constitution. And
0: and create an argument like a lawyer defending that.
1: Correct. Or um, a Socratic seminar where they're discussing, um, you know, did Lincoln free the slaves or did the the slaves free themselves?
0: Yes. And I learned a tip for Socratic seminars. This teacher that I know basically found a whole bunch of online resources and created QR codes for them and just gave it to the kids so everybody had to do one of those or two of those. So now you're extending, right? Yep. And then the kids have a variety of things to pull from for the Socratic Seminar, and it's new information.
1: Correct. And so it's just the idea of, uh, of tying it to beyond um, necessarily what the teaks asking them to do and, and going either to an, another level with it or – outside of the Norm. the time range, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, outside of eighteen seventy seven.
0: Can they take what they've learned and apply it? And the hard part about social studies is we think that means regurgitate. Can they take what they've learned and regurgitate it to me? Sorry, but that's not application. Correct. Unfortunately. In a in an easy world it would be. But it's not. And I don't care at the end of the day if kids can regurgitate basic facts to me. My goal is to create citizens that are competent and that are going to go out and shape the world. And they're not going to do that by knowing who Henry Clay was. They're going to do that by taking Henry Clay's ideas and his philosophies and learning how to exercise them and apply them what, to their benefit.
1: And who is a Henry Clay of today and who are the you know what are the ideas the impact that his ideas have had on America and things like that and the impact that they have on today right. or you know future things. For sure. Okay. Last part. Evaluate now this one is, I mean, it's assessment. Straightforward. But we really, you and I have talked a lot about this. Elaborate. I mean, evaluate. Of course, we're going to do our one at the end of the unit, more test. than likely. And test mm-hmm. is pretty standard in our in our uh, Industry. world. But um, evaluates should be taking place throughout throughout the entire thing.
0: Formal and informal assessments. Right.
1: The ability. Again, we talked about that with an intervention, making sure that you know, hey, that's an evaluate. If I know that this is one misconception that's going to take place on this question or this thing. I need to be evaluating where they are with that.
0: Right. So one thing you can do like is after the explain, give them a quiz and based on their quiz score, can determine their elaborate. You can differentiate the elaborate. Some kids might move on to the WHOOP. Some kids might be in the 80 range and they need a little more practice. Some kids might have bombed it and you're about to pull them small group. So you can differentiate this, but you should be evaluating throughout. The original format of 5e put evaluate at the end because I guess it just made sense. But after further research, they found that if you wait until the end, it's not as effective. So you should be evaluating again throughout each of the E's.
1: Well, even with Socratic seminar or the court case analysis, I mean, you're, you're just checking for misunderstandings and right. how well they, they comprehend things. And um, Socratic seminars, you know, the teacher's not really supposed to participate at all. The times I got involved were because the history got really bad really quickly and I needed yeah. to, oh, we, we, we've got to...
0: Correct for the, that.
1: For this to be valuable, they've, it's got to be fixed.
0: Yeah. yeah. So like after the engage, for, let's just take reform since we've been talking about that. After the engage, I might evaluate by just seeing, do they know what a reform is? Right. Do they know the term reform? After the explore, I might say, ha- evaluate by having them kind of pick their favorite reform so far and explain it to me so I can see if they're at least on the, the right track. And then after the explain, I might give a full on quiz and address needs there. Um, and so it, it's just throughout, right? The elaborate can be an evaluation of the kids as well. Um so you've got to make sure that you're doing that. And the big thing that a lot of teachers miss on this is the self-evaluation portion of it. What did you learn? How did your learning grow? Um, what value did you find in this unit, et cetera? So having the kids be that have that metacognitive piece.
1: Right, and I think that's always, no matter what lesson template you're using or pedagogy, always getting the kids to do that is a very valuable Tool and also gives you really good feedback on how you're doing as a teacher. For sure. From, from the kids' standpoint of some things. Um, so I think we've covered that really well. Any resources? I know um, Region 4 has the, the 5Es over Texas and 5Es over America and World Cultures books. Yeah, I mean,
0: there's a lot of stuff out there for science, uh-huh. not a lot for social studies. I know Region 4 does have a couple of books. I'm weary about telling people about resources. Because in my experience, when I've done that, they go there and they take that quote-unquote lesson that Region 4 created, which is a pretty good lesson. And they just want to take it and place and just do it. Mm -hmm. And that's not how this works. It's unfortunate. But because I wish it was just that easy. But I just challenge you to read the research behind it, read into it, and try doing it on your own. Like, take what you've already done and just say, okay, well that piece, what, what piece of that unit is the explain? Start there. And then build around. Um, if you're going to start fresh, you've never done five E's before, I started with engage and explore. And I said, okay, for every unit, I'm going to have an engage and an explore. Or for these five units, I'm going to have an engage and an explore. What does that look like? And always go back to that big question, what are kids supposed to learn from this? What's the big idea?
1: I, and, and to kind of build on that, the region four stuff, like I like the, it's a really good starting point. I like that it kind of gives me some ideas on where to, to do with some things just because I like to see different, different ways of doing things. Um, and I think it, I think it, it's a safe place to start.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not going to lead you astray no. from, from five E's, but I think for me over time, it's been more valuable for me to just say, okay. Let me write down the five E's. What strategies do I know as a teacher that I'm already comfortable with that will fit into these? Right. And then you go from there. It's not perfect the first time. I looked at when I when I was done with my first year, my principal and I sat down and we looked at our CBA data. And my first unit that I tried was the Revolution. <laughs> And my CBA data improved, but only by like 2%, 3%. But as the year goes on, by the time I get to reform, I mean, my first year teaching eighth grade or second year teaching eighth grade when I was just doing regular lessons, I had maybe 48% of my kids pass my reform test. It was terrible and I was struggling to teach it. And then the second year after doing that 5E unit, which, you know, this is towards the end of the year, so I've practiced it a couple of times. I had 78% of my kids passing the same exact exam. Right. So it's just huge, the difference in my classroom. It's huge, the difference in my scores on the test. And not that I care. I mean, I do care, obviously, you know me. I'm super competitive. I care about scores. But I care more that the kids connected with it. And that's why their scores increased, because it was actually effective teaching.
1: Right, and I think the big thing here and kind of being vulnerable is your first one's probably not going to be very good.
0: No, it was terrible. I've redone it like six times.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And there are certain units that – Um, I know that you've struggled with coming up with 5E. I think the Constitution is one.
0: No, I finally did the Constitution last year. It's still not perfect, but... And that's the thing is like, as I've gotten more comfortable with it, my 5E units have gotten better. Right. And my engage is actually a true engage. And I look at what I did four years ago, I'm like, that's not really 5E, but good try. Yeah. You know, I'm talking about my old self here and Mm -hmm. that's just part of growing, right?
1: So that's the idea of understanding like, hey, I'm going to do three units this year or three, three rounds of five E and I'm going to stick to it no matter what. Like if that first one fails, I'm going to do the second one. I'm Mm -hmm. going to do the third one. And you and I've talked a lot about this. When you, when you decide to do something new, stick with it for two years. Yeah. Because if you give up with it at the end of the first year, it's easy and it's understandable because you you get discouraged. Yeah. But you'll start to see it, it, it tends to get better.
0: I will tell you this though: I've never done a five E unit where my scores went down.
1: Okay, it was that, so it wasn't it wasn't worse than what you were already correct. doing. Correct. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: and but I can tell you that I've gotten a lot better at it. I'm definitely by no means an expert. I'm a self-proclaimed expert because I don't know a lot of social studies teachers, to be honest, that are doing five E's. Right. So if you're doing five E's, please give me a shout out. If you teach eighth grade and you want to try a unit and you want something that you know is going to be a good 5e unit, give me a shout out on Twitter. I'm happy to send you a Google drive, a Google folder with an entire unit or two in it so that you can see what I've got going on. Um, And then when you make it better, you can just reshare it with me.
1: Well, and share what you're doing. Like if, if somebody that's listening has done their own 5e and wants another set of eyes to look at it, Share it with us. Yeah. I don't know that we will be great at it, but we'd we'd love to look at it and give our feedback on it and steal from it and take it.
0: For sure. And I'm going to link in the articles, the research articles that all of this is based on. And I highly encourage you to read them. Um, You don't have to read every single word or all of it, you know. Um, But you can't – it's hard to start something if you don't know the research on it. That's just the reality. So um, definitely do your – due diligence in reading and, and gaining knowledge in this topic.
1: All right. Hey, we're we're less than 50 minutes.
0: I'm proud. It's because you didn't talk too much. You always <laughs> yeah, talk yeah. way too much.
1: That's what people say about me is I talk too much. Exactly. Well, <laughs> if you've
0: lasted this long in the episode, congrats. And give us a shout-out on Twitter um, so that we can uh, see where we're going in the future. What would you like to hear?
1: Yeah, if you have any topics, our- please share us. You know, we, It's something we can talk about or... Um, See if we can find somebody that's an expert at that.
0: What's going to be our next episode?
1: I have no idea. Mm. What do you think?
0: I don't know. We haven't even talked about it, really. We were so eager for 5Es. Well, I was.
1: Maybe something with uh, primary source.
0: Ooh, that's a good one.
1: Or critical questioning. I like that. Okay.
0: Okay. Um, Thanks for listening. Have a good summer. And we'll see you in the next episode. Hey there, thanks for listening to our podcast. Join in the discussion on Twitter using the hashtag PastToPresentPod or tweet us at, at PastToPresentPod. That's past the number two present P O D. If you have a minute, please consider helping other educators find our show by sharing our podcast on Twitter or giving us a review on iTunes or podcast. Special thanks to all those who helped develop the content for today's episode. Audio mixing for this episode done by Lindsay Stevens and music credit to bensound.com. All thoughts and ideas expressed in today's episode are that of the hosts and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs of KDISD.